Pilates is just a series of exercises, so PTs can easily, easily take those exercises and put them into their program. They're extremely complementary to any kind of strength program that a PT might do. You're listening to the Fitness Industry Podcast, powered by Australian Fitness Network. For articles, resources, and inspiration to grow your fitness business and career, go to fitnessnetwork.com.au, where you can also find a huge range of online courses, many of them accredited for CECs and other professional development credits, with up to a massive 30% savings for members of Australian Fitness Network. And for an amazing weekend of face-to-face learning, be sure to register for Filex, the main event on the fitness industry calendar at filex.com.au. Stephanie Glickman is a Pilates instructor trainer whose own studio combines clinical Pilates, group reformer, mat classes, and strength training. Here, she discusses the benefits to PTs of adding Pilates moves to regular strength training programs, how the exercises can help with body lines and mobility, and busting trainers' misconceptions about Pilates with the fitness industry podcast's Bell Fong. All right, Stephanie Glickman, welcome to the fitness industry podcast. I want you to tell us a bit about your experience in the fitness industry and how you got involved in Pilates. Okay, well, when I was growing up, I did lots and lots and lots of dance. I grew up in Los Angeles, so, and I was always told that I should do Pilates because it would lengthen me, it would make me taller. I was a bit short and squat and probably needed to do it with a few more centimeters. But this was back in the like late 80s, early 90s, because I'm kind of old. <laughs> and Pilates was not a very accessible thing at that point. It was a few people maybe teaching individually in their homes and being Los Angeles, you know, that could be an hour away. And, you know, I didn't even drive until I was 16. So it was not something I really got to pursue then, but it was always in the back of my mind. I did a dance degree in America, still didn't do any Pilates or body conditioning, very surprisingly. And it wasn't until I ended up moving to Australia and pursuing the fitness industry that I actually finally got to study Pilates. I did that simultaneously with becoming a kind of freestyle group fitness instructor. My first course was with the APMA, which is one of the Pilates industry bodies in Australia. They run training. So it was a very studio clinical based course. Around that same time, I also stopped Pilates, a Canadian company came to Australia and I also studied with them and their approach was a little bit more group fitness friendly. This was back in 2003. This was, we're talking 16 years ago. And because I was already teaching freestyle in the gyms, it was at 2003 when all the gyms started to kick key into Pilates. They all wanted to have it on their timetable, but there were not actually very many instructors at that point because there wasn't much Pilates training in Australia or at least in Melbourne, probably the rest of Australia as well. So I just started getting lots and lots of job offers straight away just by already teaching, you know, teaching aerobics. So I had a, a trial by fire really like that year in 2003. I just started teaching many classes a week while I was actually still studying. So I hadn't even finished really my, you know, certifying until the end of the year. And I'd already had about six months of teaching under my belt at that point. So that's how I initially got involved and then really, really loved it and continued to go on and study through Polestar Pilates, Pilates International. I went back and did all the Stop Pilates full training and later became a Stop Pilates instructor trainer. And then later that evolved into Breathe Education, who I work for now. 
Awesome. So, mm. so you've recently been working with Network on revamping our new online Pilates course, which is due to be released later this year in 2019. Have you noticed any trends in the industry when it comes to PTs and Pilates? Well, the industry as a whole, I would say, is very interested in Pilates. A lot of the Pilates that has come into Australia has been more influenced by the allied health world, so more kind of rehab physio-based as opposed to classical Pilates. Classical Pilates is a lot stronger. So I think some marrying the allied health sort of contemporary Pilates with fitness can sometimes be a little bit tricky because, you know, if you go into a gym and teach that fitness, people are like, what? What am I doing? I'm just lying here and lifted one leg, but I don't feel anything. So for me, I think the using the, the classical Pilates method, which I've, you know, since learned lots about, which relates more to, you know, gymnastics and other kinds of strength training, which Pilates himself studied, I think marries really well with a PT kind of background, as well as some of the elements of contemporary Pilates in terms of isolating muscles and mm-hmm. releasing muscles. So I think, yeah, both of them have have relevance to PTs. Pilates is just a series of exercises, so PTs can easily, easily take those exercises and put them into their program. They're extremely complementary to any kind of strength program that a PT might do. And, you know, as you know, my personal interest is Pilates and strength training together. So using the kind of body awareness of Pilates, which teaches you a lot about proprioception, you know, where your body is in space, how your shoulder blades relate to your rib cage and where your pelvis is, takes that kind of body knowledge into the arena of strength training where you have a lot of external resistance where you can actually build serious, you know, muscle if that's what you want to do. Pilates can really only take you so far in that, I think, but it definitely helps you with all your body lines, all the mobility work required to be able to do, you know, full range squatting, overhead arm work, give you the thoracic extension required for any kind of, you know, lifting, ankle mobility, wrist mobility, some of that not directly out of Pilates, but you know, I like to incorporate it in. So I think any PT could easily complement their training that they give their clients with some Pilates exercises without having to program up a whole Pilates class or you know, sequence. Because a PT working one-on-one with a client is very different than someone going in and teaching a group Pilates class. It's a different kind of skill set. Mm. You know, Pilates, a group class will be much more flowing. It would probably be about covering all parts of the body, making it accessible for a wide range of people. Whereas a PT working one-on-one can just pick and choose and kind of be, oh, my, my clients you know, really needs to work more you know, rotation through their thoracic. Oh, I know this great exercise. I can, you know, just throw it into their program and, you know, help them in a much more personal way, potentially do more Mm -hmm. kind of manual assisting if that's in their practice or individual cueing. So Pilates is awesome because you can, you know, use it in both of those. Mm -hmm. I think for so long, PTs have, you know, not, this is mass generalization, but have kind of poo-pooed Pilates. And I know myself, you know, I used to think, you know, watching people do Pilates in a group setting was like, literally, they looked like they were sleeping, they weren't really doing a lot. And then I had to do Pilates as part of a physio program. And it was so hard. And I think trying to change people's minds about Pilates is quite challenging because once PTs kind of get in a particular mindset of Pilates and yoga, like this is way too easy, like you shouldn't do that, when in fact their clients probably should be doing a mixture of both. Exactly. Well, this is, again, where I was saying that I think a lot of the contemporary Pilates, which comes out of the allied health world, has in some ways, as much as I've studied a lot of contemporary Pilates and believe in many of its theories has given Pilates a bit of a bad name in the gym setting because, Mm. you know, the movements are so small and tiny. And unless 
because they, they focus a lot more on kind of isolating particular parts, keep this body part still, move this body part. So unless you're really getting very direct, like you might have been in this physio program, hands on direction or very close direction, you feel like you're kind of doing nothing. And when I first went in teaching, my very first class ever in that 2003 was at the Fernwood Women's Gym in Melbourne, one of the ones there. And at the time I had only done that APMA course that was very kind of clinically. And I'm pretty sure that we just laid there for an hour doing some breathing, maybe did some pelvic curls. I think we lifted one leg, you know, and it wasn't until much later on, I learned about the actual like vigorous nature of Pilates. And that's especially my interest in the Pilates and strength training, because I've gone back into the classical line of Pilates, which is the full body line and hollow that you see in gymnastics. And now I pretty much teach that over more of the contemporary kind of isolate, you know, keep everything still, lift your arm, lift your mm-hmm. leg. Because I find that clients just can, it's stronger, clients, it's more direct, they feel it easier. And they get, I find that they're getting more benefit out of it. I'm really working into full flexion ranges of the spine, extension ranges, where sometimes in more contemporary Pilates, we can be a little bit nervous to actually do that. But for most people, it's actually quite beneficial. So I'm hoping with like this kind of mix of Pilates and strength training that I'm interested in it can kind of break down some of those barriers. Last year at Phylex when we presented this, it was interesting because we had a lot of people who just did strength training come to the session and we had Pilates people. And the strength training people said, wow, I didn't know Pilates was so hard. So I loved that. I was pretty happy about that. And the Pilates people said, wow, that was a great Pilates class. So it was really exciting to have that bridge. Now, acknowledging a lot of the things I was doing in that class were more mobility-based exercises and things I have learned outside of a Pilates context, but I see the relationship of it, of the classical Mm. work, given that Joseph Pilates studied gymnastics. So when you look at a lot of gymnastics warm-ups, you can see a lot of Pilates work, but Pilates as a technique doesn't go as far. Gymnastics is much, much stronger. Yeah. If you were to look back on the last 10 years, what knowledge did you wish you had prior to becoming a Pilates instructor? (laughs) I really don't know because, well, I I just knew that it was something that I wanted to do. I was like dead set on it that 15, 16 years ago when I did that first course. And things just kind of developed for me from there. I think I got in at the right time where I just had so much work thrown at me. And then I spent two years working in other studios in lots and lots of gyms. And it just happened that I was able by circumstance to start my own studio. That was 13 or 14 years ago. I had no idea what I was doing. I didn't have a business plan, really, nothing. It's just my husband and me and a building that we had. So I didn't really even think about what I was doing. Everything was very much an evolution, and it kept me studying all these different forms of Pilates, getting more into the strength training to really you know, become the instructor I am now, which is way different than, you know, the one I was at the Fernwood where I was just telling people to breathe and, you know, flatten their lower back in and out of the floor. So I can't really say that there's anything that I wish I'd known. I just keep learning new things kind of all the time, you know. And I, I feel just very lucky that I kind of started when I did, when Pilates was still very new in the Melbourne scene. So I kind of got in at a good time. So so what advice would you give to up-and-coming group fitness instructors who maybe want to start their own business, whether that's a Pilates studio like what you have now or maybe mixing Pilates with strength training? 
well, prepare to spend a lot of time in your studio because, you know, I look back on the last 13 years and, you know, a lot of blood, sweat and tears has gone in, into that place. It was my first child. I've had two children since, but I think of it as my first baby and it still takes the most more time and care than my actual children because my children are easier. And I think we have this idea is like, oh, I'll just set something up and, you know, I'll put a few years in and then just let it be. But it doesn't really work that way. I just now I spend just as much time in the business, but I'm just doing a lot of different roles. I don't do so much teaching, but I do much more managing, thinking of new things we want to run. And I'm very, very hands-on. That's just me. I couldn't imagine just being, oh, I set this up now. See you later. Give it to mm. somebody else. Because you, you take this very maternal approach. So I think if you want to do some some a business, you're going to really need to commit those hours and have it your business be close to your house. Otherwise, those that can become very laborious to do all of those all of those hours. But I think one thing that has been really good for me is that I've slowly extricated myself from most of the teaching and I teach only a few set hours a week and then I'm very nimble because I have at my particular, my studio, we have three venues and it's all in one area, strength training venue, a group reformer and a clinical mat studio. And sometimes they're all running at the same time. So like on a Saturday, we have six instructors working. Well, out of six instructors, it's quite likely one of those is on holiday or something's happened. And while, you know, we have lots of, you know, covers in place, oftentimes I have to just put on a different hat and I can do anything across all the studios. So I keep myself as kind of nimble as possible. So I'm not burnt out for teaching because I don't do that much of it. And then when I have to jump in, it's not a burden. It's like, oh, I've already, you know, done 25 clinical hours in the clinical Mm. studio this week and now I've got to do someone else's shift. So that I've kind of accepted that that's my role and that's how I I can deal with it. But if I had to teach, do that on top of a lot of other teaching. So whenever I can find a new person to take something off me, I just, even if I don't really need them, I like almost overstaff. So I, I invest a lot in in that whole process, you know, because I know that at some point one of those people is going to drop away and then I'm not left completely. So I really try and and protect myself because it is now such a, a bigger business, bigger than than me. So I think, yeah, it's tricky because a lot of fitness or Pilates people have businesses that are very small. So they revolve around them as the personality, right? So mm-hmm. they might do all the teaching. Then they don't want to teach anymore. And well, really, they can't pass their their business isn't really worth anything once they're out of it because they were the business. So they might be able to, you know, sell their client list off or give their lease to somebody. But the business itself isn't worth much on a financial level. So I think if you, you know, looking for a very long term sustainability, you'd need to find a way of being able to, okay, can this business run without me mm. in it. Like, I mean, it wouldn't have the Stephanie love. I wouldn't be sprinkling it around. But, some, you know, there would be someone, some other kind of yeah. person who would who would do that. But basically it can, assuming everyone's there doing their, their jobs, mm. it can operate without me. Mm. So, yeah, it's a big commitment. <laughs> it's a big commitment. And I have my husband as the back end of it, which it definitely helps. Yeah. So. so what do you think the key to success is when it comes to creating a successful Pilates studio like what you have or a PT business that utilises Pilates-based exercises? Well, I mean, I can really only speak for Armature, but as I've expanded into other aspects of the business because we have the strength, you know, we, we run strength-based classes as well and a few other styles of classes, you know, we established our reputation really as the as a Pilates studio. We were lucky in that. We have good referral networks through osteos and physios in our area and different kinds of people, good word of mouth. So I think I've always kept at my core that 
that's what we are. And even though I've expanded into other areas, I've tried. I don't want to be, we just do everything here because people are always telling me, why don't you run this? Why don't you run that? Pretty soon I'd be running like golf clinics for 12-year-olds and hip-hop classes for this person and, you know, all the seniors classes and this and that. But the reality is there's a point where you just have to say, this is kind of, you know, we already do a lot. We have a huge demographic as it is. And you have to say like, this is what we do and let's do that to the best we can and stick with those principles. So I really try and stay committed to that. And I also really just stay committed to my basic business values. Like when people ever ask me for, it doesn't happen that often, you know, like deals on, can you do the membership for this? Can you do that? I'm like, you know, I'm very transparent. It's like, I just have one thing across the board and I always stick to my transparency. I don't try and, you know, give something to one client, not something, because I'm just a very honest person. And I like knowing that, like, I can go to bed at night every, you know, and the same with staff. I really try and look after the staff. We just have a set system of, you know, like pay scales and you fit somewhere and you were, you know, and so there's not a lot of, I do this for this person behind the scenes and I do that. So that, that's just me. And I really try and look after the staff and the clients as, you know, with as much love and as evenly as I can, just Mm -hmm. because I like that kind of fairness so it help I think it helps me keep sustainable and you know functional and you know clean business as well because someday I will want to get out of it and I want to know that it's in that kind of shape mm. so how important do you think it is to complement Pilates with other forms of strength training because obviously you have a strength training of your business now yeah. how long have you had that for and when I guess how did you make that decision to open that section of the studio well it was always something I really got into teaching I I ran this small course that I actually did get clients to do called what was it called push pull which was basically I was trying to train them how to you know do all the foundations to be able to do a chin-up if they wanted we were running it just in the little clinical studio on our stall bar stall bars are like these gymnastics ladders that are on walls and we had a few weights and things like that and it was kind of outgrowing that space so we were kind of looking around in the very neighboring vicinity to try and find something else. And it took a little while, but we actually ended up getting a really awesome, it was an old mechanics basically, that we were able to turn into this strength facility, which is still in its infancy. But I believe in it because as I've already said, Pilates itself can only take you so far. We have lots of clients, you know, I see in the clinical studio who have very good form, you know, they're very compliant, they come all the time, but they I don't see them getting really building the kind of strength that I think that they need just by being in the clinical studio because they're not like lifting anything to any particular failure points. They're not working at these higher levels of perceived exertion. It's all very nice. They've got beautiful form and maybe they can contract their pelvic floor and lift their leg at the same time, which is all great to a point. But I just kept seeing like, this is just not, I just know this can go so much further, especially given my own experience. So I think, yeah, I think the two complement each other and it was a no brainer for me having the luxury now of this bigger space to add it. Getting the clients to do it is another story because they are, especially the female clients, not to stereotype, but they are resistant to the idea of strength training. They think it's either too hard, like they're not ready for it because, you know, it's too hard for them. It's boring. They think they're going to get hurt. They just think it's not for them. Just They have this idea it's just not for them. They think they're going to get gorilla legs, like they're going to become massive, like not going to happen. That's been quite a hurdle for me. So I've been trying to, like, I call it my strength training by stealth operation because I teach a lot of the mat work is I put in kind of bits and pieces of all this mobility work, loading onto their fingers, their wrists, doing squat patterns, lunge patterns, all the stuff that they might need if they then could take that, you know, into a bit more loaded scenario with some dumbbells, kettlebells, barbells. And 
slowly it is working. I've got some other great people who teach our strength class. We've created a particular class. We just call it functional strength because put functional in a title and basically it sells, I've learned. And, you know, we do set programs with them. We make it really easy to follow. We teach them about working at the proper level because a lot of our clients come in and they're just working too low. Like they're taking, you know, one kilo dumbbells trying to do chest presses. I'm like, you're just wasting your elbow flexion. You're not going to get anywhere with that. But it's just actually having to educate the clients. Okay, this is, you know, you should feel if you're going to do, you know, five sets of this exercise, 10 to 12 reps, you want to feel this tired by this rep, you know? Okay. If you don't in that first rep, okay, now go back, reassess what your weights are. So a lot of it is just training people because they just, they don't, they don't know. We just need to tell them. So getting them to build confidence in the clinical studio or the other group classes has been great because then they build just general body confidence. And then it's then weaning them into that other Thing. Or sometimes it goes the opposite. People come and just do our kind of things in the strength studio and then they realize that maybe they can get some benefit from going back the other way. So that that's my ultimate goal is just to tell people how, you know, to cross train and, and make them realize the benefits because I believe in it. What do you think are the common misconceptions that you hear when it comes to Pilates? Okay, <laughs> there's lots. Firstly, it's not yoga. Everyone always asks me this, what's the difference between Pilates and yoga? There are different techniques. I mean, Pilates was invented by a person, Joseph Pilates. He was born in the 1880s, lived in Germany, and then did most of his work in America in the 40s and 50s. So he developed a system of basically of strength. He called it contrology. Yoga comes from a completely different philosophy. A lot of, you know, yoga, sometimes in yoga, a lot of it is, a lot of yoga can work into a lot more bigger ranges of things where sometimes Pilates is a lot about really bringing, you know, bringing it into a, a center and holding tighter, which is great for the more kind of hypermobile people. But they are quite different. They get lumped together all the time. So that's one misconception that it's the same thing. A lot of people seem to think I have a yoga studio. I do not have a yoga studio. Another misconception is that, you know, this idea coming out of that contemporary model of Pilates that, you know, everything is about just isolating one muscle at a time, turn this on turn that off, lift this, lift that, rather than thinking about the body as a whole. And that's something that Joseph Pilates talked about a lot and integrating everything as one movement and one shape. That Pilates is only for women because it's hard to get men to come in to do Pilates. I did work at a studio years ago that was run by a man and he had a class called the Stiffies class that was for the men. (laughs) And he had them doing all the stretching on the reformer. So I think that's another very common misconception. It's not really helped a lot by the industry itself when they use a lot of, you know, very feminized or gendered cueing, which is pretty common. And I think that needs to shift a little bit. Slowly, I think men will come, but right now they think it's not for them. People in Australia seem to think that physios invented and own Pilates, but again, it was invented by Joseph Pilates. And a lot of that that you see in a kind of clinical Pilates or physio setting is really like they're very broken down essences of maybe some Pilates exercises, but they're actually coming from a lot of different kinds of biomechanical trainings. So yes, physios didn't invent it. They like to sometimes try and own it, but... (laughs) And also that Pilates is elitist and expensive, which in the past it may have been. When I was growing up in Los Angeles, it was like that. You know, it wasn't, there was nowhere to find it. I had to, you know, it was in someone's house, someone that I didn't know far away. Where now basically you can go to any gym. I mean, you can go to any YMCA community house and you can generally find a Pilates class. You know, the quality of course was going to vary as it does in the fitness industry in general, all kind, you get all kinds of quality of things, but you can find it and it's going to be 
probably going to a class is going to benefit most, you know, most people. And it's building more awareness of Pilates and making it very accessible for all kind of demographics and, you know, Mm. incomes. So, yeah, I think those are quite a few of the (laughs) misconceptions. What do you see as the growing trend in 2019 in the Pilates space? Okay, a lot of group fitness reformer, which has been this case in Melbourne probably now for at least five, six years, but that seems to keep growing more and more. So people, if they're opening a Pilates studio, they're opening like purely a reformer base. Everyone comes, has their own reformer machine. Those kind of classes are really popular. Clients love them because again, they don't feel like they have to go to the gym. So it's taking them out of the strength space, but they're feeling like they're getting general overall workout. And the reformer is a spring-loaded pulley you know, bed with pulleys on it. So you are getting, it is strength training because you are getting resistance. So those are very fitness style classes. Some are not particularly classically Pilates based, but they, I find at least in Melbourne and I think in Sydney too, and the major cities in Australia, lots of those studios popping up. We have that as a wing of our studio and we have 15 beds and and we run almost 40 classes a week just on the reformers. So they definitely are most popular. I think that classical Pilates is starting to, I don't know if make a comeback, but come more into the mainstream in Australia, whereas before it had been more dominated by the contemporary or allied health approach to Pilates. And I think more Pilates studios are combining other kinds of training with Pilates, like there'll be a hit and Pilates studio or like a Pilates and a bar studio or a yoga studio will put on a few Pilates classes. So it's kind of mingling with other kinds of group-based exercise in boutique environments. And then there's also the Instagram culture of Pilates, which you have in yoga as well. Maybe you call it, I call it, people call it Pilates porn, I guess, where you can just, you know, go see people do, you know, you find your favorite people and they show you lots of new moves or what they've come up with that day for their, you know, sequence of the week. And so I know a lot of my instructors would use that as a way to get ideas for, for exercises. So it's, there's just so much out there in the, in social media to give you kind of to fuel your teaching for better or worse. It's, it, 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 it does inspire when you see a new, you think, oh, I never thought to put my foot there on the reformer when I did that or turn that exercise this way. And sometimes just seeing something for a minute or two on a clip gives you a whole new idea for a class. So I think the whole social media will keep probably influencing how people teach. And it makes it, again, in a way, more accessible. So if you live far away and you need a, you know, you need something you've got, You've got some access through technology or some of the main, there's two main sites, Pilates Anytime and Pilatesology, where you can subscribe and also see classes all the time. So there's lots of access for remote instructors to to constantly feel fresh, you know. Yeah, cool. So mm. Awesome. Well, that's about wraps it up for today. Thanks so much for your time. If listeners want to find out more information about you or your upcoming Pilates course with Network, where should they go? Well, I'm based at my studio in Brunswick, Victoria, which is called Armature Pilates Strength. So you can look that up online. It's just www.armaturepilates.com. And also through the network website as the new courses are being released, one of which is called Pilates for Strength Training. So it will involve a lot of the principles that one, I'm very passionate about, and two, that, you know, have been being presented at Phylex this, this past two years and really, really beneficial and easy to, you know, for PTs to use. So either of those two places would be awesome. Thanks so much again for talking to the fitness industry podcast. Oh, you're welcome. It was my pleasure.
for a range of Pilates courses, including Network's newly updated Fundamental Matwork Pilates and Intermediate Matwork Pilates by Stephanie Glickman, head to the Network website, select the Courses tab, and click on Group Training. Courses are accredited for CECs and other continuing education points, and Network members save up to 20%. Go to fitnessnetwork.com.au today to grow your skill set and fitness career. And for an amazing weekend of face-to-face learning, be sure to register for Phylex, the main event on the fitness industry calendar, at phylex.com.au.